0: D, podcast za Welcome everybody, uh, we're back. It's uh, the 30th of August uh, 2021, but you're listening to this on the 15th of September 2021. Uh, coming back from summer break, we're starting our regular monthly programming with uh, Marta Perano, uh, a Spanish journalist uh, specializing in technology and power. Uh, she focuses mainly on the areas of free software, digital privacy and the radical decentralization of the critical infrastructure. And she's curating the Reprogramming Strategies for Self-Renewal Festival that restarts online on the 20th of September 2021. So you have five days to plan your hairdresser and walk your dog and then um, follow up with Marta on, uh, on the festival. Uh, you can find out more about her and the festival in the description of this podcast episode. Hello, Marta. Uh, Hi, Thomas. So my first question would be uh, journalist to journalist. Uh, you're, you specialized or you worked in, in the area of journalism covering the, let's call it, various topics, but amongst them the, the topic of, of um of technological or, or information society, as it's called. And can you give us your thought on the role of tech journalism in, let's say, a, a societal framework? Because usually these tech journalists are somewhere between, um, let's call them uh, echoing boards for, for the press releases of the tech industry. And on the other hand, they're mainly... Uh, let's call it uh, let's call tech journalism as a sort of a artistic practice of interpreting what's happening and what's going on in in the tech um, industry and how will that affect uh, let's say us all.
1: I love I love that your second option is the artistic uh, practice. <laughs> uh, I never thought about it this way, but you're actually right. Well, the thing is, I think that tech journalists were for- like more than twenty years, and uh, and one of the first things I discovered was that there are two kinds of technology journalists. They are the ones that that talk about the last uh, smartphone and you know what printer you should buy and you know whether it's, you know this computer is better than this other one and cameras and how many pixels they have, and 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 then there's there's I would say my side of the spectrum that deals with things like. Uh, how does the internet happen and where are the cables going and who's running them and what are the protocols behind them and you know, who makes the decisions uh, about these protocols and how they manifest the politics of, of the people in power and, and how do they affect our everyday life in ways that are invisible to us. And so um, I guess <laughs> this is the artistic practice, practice that you were talking about. And it is true that you can see tremendous difference in terms of, of quality of research uh, between, for instance, um, American journalism, which I think it's it's definitely, at least in its tech variant, uh, going through a golden era, like there is uh, amazing reporting on on this, this kind of you know, material on infrastructure and protocols on legislation on, on on the way it changes our mm-hmm. lives uh, mm-hmm. for, for the worst most most of the time, and um, and yet in other countries that do not invest uh, the same amount of energy and resources and in in researching this very important uh, topic, mm-hmm. uh, you have more of the first kind, no, of the mm-hmm. uh, what what what's the last. Uh, I don't know
0: iPhone model that mm. you should buy. Mm. Follow-up question. So what drives these let's say decisions or these um, streams of journal- of tech journalism? So we can we can guess that you know reviewing phones and TV screens and laptops and consoles is driven by marketing by advertising by PR pressure by companies wanting to have a platform that features its, its products, but what has to happen or what's the driving force behind this critical, let's say, reinterpretation of, of technological trends?
1: Well, I would say curiosity, like every other <laughs> journalistic practice, like wanting to know more about something that is a big part of your life. And um, particularly in the field of technology, we, um, we have this uh, context where mm-hmm. the information, the technical information that is out there is normally put by the same companies that are, you know, that are making the, the, the software and the products and the devices. And they normally, or at least in the last 10 to 20 years, have been detaching themselves from the reality of the products they make, mm. um, like the, the 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 information about the platforms we all use or the devices we all buy and keep with us at all times, <laughs> you know, mm. and, and make sure they're always on. The mm. information that is out there that is put by the same companies that make this products and that keep them going, um, it is normally. Very detached from the reality of what's actually happening in the phone or in the you know in your smartwatch and 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 in their servers and and in your life as a result of their mm. you know of their um, goals and 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 aspirations I guess mm. so um, I would say that this brand of journalism is triggered by a need to cover all the dark uh, areas about mm. this. Growing uh, field of, of intense use uh, from from our part. No?
0: Mm, mm. If I can follow up or or move on and sort of connect the next topic I wanted to discuss with you. Uh, so we're talking or we're living in a in a surveillance capitalism um, for a number of years, and in that surveillance capitalism, technology or or tech industry plays a central role in in terms of providing access or tools and or practices that enable, let's say, those in power to to surveil, to gather data, to analyze data, to use data in uh, in surveilling or for surveilling purposes. At the same time, these practices are mostly... um, brought up for discussion whenever something bad happens so i'm often reminded of the um, let's say the, the 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 titanic accident that that was the cause of let's say uh radio waves regulation and we're we can still or i can at least draw some similarities between let's say edward snowden um the the recent let's say pegasus uh, reveals and every other story in this regard that comes out as this complete shock of of um let's say investigation of of reveal but at the same time doesn't offer any answers on let's say the prolonged um trends that um that caused these that or that are causing these accidents or these catastrophes, and mm-hmm. and my question to you would be, why is it so hard to develop uh, a, a streamlined, let's say, focus or story in this surveillance capitalism uh, that mm-hmm. would enable, let's say, the those in power, uh, citizens, even consumers a more balanced way, or not balanced, a more, let's say, I'm not trying, it's either a calm way or a, or a productive way of interpretations of these events, right? right. Uh, to me, it seems that every time we're faced with a new catastrophe, the, the, the feedback that the user or consumer or citizen gets is, you know, well, you can't do anything about it. This is how things are now.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, interesting thought uh, you put out there. First of all, I would like to take issue with the idea with this comparison that you're making with the with the catastrophic uh, end of line for the Titanic mm. and uh, and this and this catastrophic, uh, I guess, state of things uh, from you know the 2013 revelations of the. Of uh, Edward Snowden and and, and so on, no? mm. uh, because I mean, the Titanic was not meant to crash in mm. the ice, right? Mm. Like there is nothing, there was nothing in the industry that produced the Titanic that whose goal was to actually, you know, crash. <laughs> it True, a big hopefully. <laughs> and yet, and yet, uh, uh, that you are mentioning are absolutely deliberate. Um, mm. Meaning that the the reason, like most people think that the reason why um, Edward Snowden's revelation was so scandalous was because, um, because the world discovered that they were being surveilled through the very devices that they bought <laughs> and the very uh, uh, technologies and, and, and platform and software platforms that they were using every day. But the thing is that was like the the truly scandalous uh, information in those in those documents that he released was that American citizens were being spied on, and mm. American citizens in this context uh, are the only citizens that are protected by the American uh, laws, mm. which means that the rest of us, the Spanish, the Slovenians, etc., they we are all like you know totally for, uh, for all these American companies and also all the Chinese companies and mm. any other companies that um, that uh, that go beyond their own frontiers and uh, and you know, and enter our lives through. I don't know smart watches or um, uh, diet uh, tracking apps or you know full mm. summatures and and and, mm. and so. Uh, this, is mean, like if, if you want to call it a catastrophe, it's because it was happening uh, and we found out like, that would be the catastrophe for the actual platforms, no? for mm-hmm. Microsoft and Amazon and like, Facebook and Google. Uh, but this was a deliberate one. And so I think the reason why um, the general audience finds it hard to somehow react uh, in a logical way to so those revelations by basically dropping their phones or <laughs> never using again. Because they didn't. uh not a reason for, you cannot have, you know, a social and a work life without phone to say. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they have become like, I don't know, like bank accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. Bank accounts, there was people 20, and 30 years ago that refused to have bank accounts because they didn't believe the banking system and they cook. now if you want to have a house or you want to buy, have a job <laughs> it's not a choice anymore and with the smartphones uh I think we are looking at the problem you cannot work in an office without having a whatsapp uh, account oh, that's, you know the rest of the team what's what's being done or what has to be what has to be done or you have children in a school uh, Account where the other parents discuss you know, school things and the school communicates to parents what's going on the future. I mean, there is no choice. Uh, if you want to be part of the information age, then you must have a phone. There is this one thing. The other thing in this particular industry that we're talking about has spent, I don't know, <laughs> how many millions of dollars. Uh, developing the signs that use a very intense attachment, uh, which is to say that this this um, devices and, and platforms are very addictive, deliberately addictive, yeah. which is the other catastrophe <laughs> that is deliberately. Totally yeah. Deliberate. Uh, yeah.
0: B- before we begin, we're we're getting some some feedback on on the line. So if there's any way you can uh, reconnect or I'm not trying to restart this podcast, but there was some feedback during your your last answer so oh, if, weird. Uh, yeah, uh, so maybe if we can i mean we can continue and I'll edit this part and we'll see if the feedback um, proceeds, and then we'll maybe reconnect and try again i guess um but anyway so yes okay but but you in your last answer, you've mentioned two roles of of a of a human being, let's say, of a homo sapiens, right? You've mentioned mm-hmm. the role of a consumer and you've mentioned the role of, of a citizen. Mm-hmm. At one point, uh, the all the issues of, let's say, surveillance capitalism, it's in the name, start with the role of the consumer, right? So the, the consumer is the one responsible for using the tech, buying the tech, providing tech companies with... Uh, with um, its its um, let's say personal data, uh, giving them money to to buy services or and uh, products. At the same time, the issues or the problems with tech are becoming more and more political, right? So there's not. I mean, the the role of uh, surveillance capitalism um, is is mainly um, or is it, is it. It's most important in, in a political sense of, of the discussion, but still these issues are not being discussed in, in the forum of politics. So the politics usually say, you know, oh, you know, tech is neutral, tech is all-encompassing, and uh, we can do anything about it, or we can we can just, you know, let it run its course. So... What, in your opinion, needs to change for the political actors, parties, uh, let's say, representatives, figure out or, or realize that, you know, tech is politics?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I mean, answering to your first part of the question, which is about the difference between citizens and, uh, and, and customers and clients, mm. I think this is a confusion that comes from the, from the fact that this, Platforms are mostly uh, from the United States, and in the United States, every um, every right that you keep uh, in your relationship with these platforms is defined by the terms of use. But uh, because you know the treatment of data is not very well legislated, but uh, from a European perspective, we do have another type of legislation, and so. The fact that you sign an agreement with a company uh, that is going to use your data for this and that does not undermine your rights as a citizen, uh, as, as a citizen of the European Union, that your that your data uh, cannot be used in certain ways, in ways that basically harm you, in, base, in ways that are going to, you know, uh, that are going to um, transform the future for you. <laughs> <laughs> in 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 a way that is negative no like you're gonna i don't know like pay more for certain things or won't have access to uh certain uh i don't know like uh, jobs or universities mm. or whatever mm. so there is that that thing that that the platforms have been uh playing that confusion from the very beginning, and i think uh it's it's taken us uh a good ten years to to work that out um but uh uh, and, and the other like you know the other the second part of your question was about how can we um, how can how can we acknowledge uh, the political um, the the political nature of this mm-hmm. problem no and I think right now you can see that in the United States the debate around what to do with these platforms is very heated precisely because the way in which these platforms have been um, detrimental to their democratic processes, like, for instance, uh, their 2016 elections being uh, totally transformed by the input of, a, of the um, disinformation agency that is linked to the Kremlin, um, or the 2020 uh, assault on the capital based on the idea that the the democratic elections have been duped, no, have been mm. stolen mm. somehow because you know, some people that voted shouldn't have. Um, so the evidence of the impact that these platforms have in in the democratic institutions have been so evident, so like absolutely on, on your face that uh, it's become a political issue in the United States and so it's being discussed. Uh, I think quite a lot in the last year. Somehow, though, uh, even though everything that happens in the United States, generally, like in terms of platform uh, impact, has been already tested somewhere else, like say Philippines or Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it goes to the United States and it becomes like, you know, public knowledge because, as I said before, uh, tech, tech journalism in the States is. is is definitely having a golden era. And then uh, a year or two years later, we see it replicating all over Europe, generally. Oh. Um, I mean, uh, it is very clear for those <laughs> that are following the news and, and the uh, research that is being done in the States, but somehow it seems that um, the political elite is reluctant to um, to 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 have a to to have a, like a more heavy handling of the big platforms affairs because it is a it is a way too powerful machine in political terms. What mm-hmm. I mean is that it is very hard to punish a dog that is biting people for you. It is very hard to, you know, to dismiss a weapon that has proven to be so powerful and could be yours if you, you know, if you you pay for it or if Mm. you're already in power. So the thing is, the thing with the digital platforms and their impact in in the democratic institutions is that it normally favors the status quo.
0: quo. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, It has a tendency to aid those that are already in power. And normally when the you know when the government uh is willing to use these platforms in, in ways that are less than optimal, like for instance, um uh, I don't know, hiring the NSO group as we have seen in the last uh in the last few months, uh hiring the NSO group to use Pegasus to be surveilling their uh opponents or the lawyers that are. I don't know, investigating their power abuses or the journalists that are mm. trying to make them more visible to the general public. So, um, you know, it depends on the government that you have in power. And uh, and and then, you know, it is very hard to let go of something that has proven so useful <laughs> any way mm. you want to call it.
0: Because mm. another question or another, um, let's say, focus that I... Keep going back to related to, let's say, the the surveillance capitalism and the role of of uh, of consumer versus the role of of the citizen is this notion of personal responsibility. So, mm-hmm. ever, ever since, let's say, the Cookie Directive, the GDPR, ever ever since, basically, from from all the reveals from from Snowden forward. Uh, we've had this uh, notion of personal responsibility of the user that needs to pay attention to a list of things that you know are bad for him or or her so there's no outside agency there's no um let's say um, a collective body that helps the user or end citizen uh when he or she is battling the dragons of, of uh, technological society, there's just, you know, the user and his um, and his right to click or not to click on, on dangerous links. Um, mm. At the same time, we've been noticing since, again, since cookie directive, since every, let's call it co-regulation model, that uh, this role is, uh, at least in my opinion, highly... Um, overvalued. So the user is not smart. The user is not uh, aware. The user is not, <laughs> to quote, um, to quote uh, Abramovich, the user is not there, right? And do you think that, uh, especially with these Pegasus revelations and with other? let's say notions or with other um, examples of uh, surveillance capitalism, let's say the uprise of biometric surveillance and stuff. uh, Do you think this will tilt the scales towards a more systemic and more, um, let's say, a more uh, systemic way of regulation that won't put the user in its center? Um, and that will, let's say, realize that the user is not, is not this all-powerful um, deity that can solve everything for him or herself.
1: Hmm. I, this is an excellent question. Thank you uh, for that. I, I can't help but comparing um, another industry that has been uh, problematic uh, and problematic uh, uh, regarding environmental concerns, no? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have been for years admonishing the user that he shouldn't be driving a car, that he shouldn't be having more than one child, that he shouldn't be taking planes, that every time you take a plane, you are producing all the CO2 and basically destroying the planet all by yourself, you Mm -hmm. and your friends. And so um, this, uh, we know now, because we do have the documents to prove it, uh, has been an ongoing campaign on, you know, on the industries that have been causing (laughs) the most damage to the environment uh, for years. Meaning that, you know, if you can make citizens uh, take responsibility of something that they cannot cure, then at least you keep them quiet because the guilt uh, will, be, will temper their response to the consequences of this mm. environmental disaster. So to, to put it in different words, it's like telling people that, um, first of all, that they are responsible for the city being polluted because they are driving cars. And secondly, uh, telling them that the way to, you know, to fix the pollution in cities is to... Drive the bike, and uh, and the the only way to protect yourself, you're responsible for protecting yourself, uh, would be to wear a special mask. No, like this is like a a very petty and convenient uh, delegation of responsibility (laughs) from Mm. uh, from our administration and institutions. Like you know, we are not. I mean. If we are partially responsible for the state, for the environmental state of things, it is in such a small measure uh, that it, it it is ridiculous to point it out. And secondly, we are the main victims of it. So mm. blaming the victim has always been, you know, an, um, a convenient and somehow effective uh, maneuver when it comes to taking responsibility for um, For important things. In this case, uh, I always compare it to the environmental crisis because uh, you can. You know, you can lock the phone all you want. You can. uh, Use all the right cryptographic tools. You can learn everything you need to learn about every platform and try to avoid the worst ones, and you can refuse to uh, put WhatsApp on your phone and you can you can basically drop your phone into the river and go to live in the mountains. You mm. won't be uh, you won't be safe uh, from the uh, surveillance economy. Mm. You are already in it, even if you're not carrying anything with you apart from your face. And this is something that uh, only regulators have to blame because something that uh, identifies people biometrically in a in a society that is defined by its imbalance uh, of, you know, of of uh, safety, <laughs> of mm-hmm. privacy, of access and of transparency is, uh, is totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And so the same way that you want to save the planet by not, you know, n- flying on planes and not having children and being vegetarian, which is something that a lot of us are trying to do, um, well, you won't be safe from uh, the surveillance uh, just dropping your phone in the river. Mm. So I think this this proves (laughs) emphatically how asymmetrical this battle is. It is Mm. not us individually that can uh, tame that monster. It is definitely us collectively by pushing our respective administrations to do the right thing mm.
0: do you think it it also so this notion of personal responsibility do you think it it also works as a let's call it a damping mechanism for uh, the the prevention of let's say users acting out in a in a collective fashion demanding let's say political reaction to these problems and political solutions and then following up with their uh, political representatives as they, let's say, try to, to solve these issues. So uh, thinking about, you know, uh, the things you've mentioned, the the cryptographic tools, the the, the different, uh, let's say, personal practices of use, you know, in, in the end of the day, you're so overwhelmed or tired from paying attention to all these things that you can't possibly... You know, expect from that same users to engage in a, in a political debate that is, uh, you know, that lasts longer, that uh, doesn't have an instant effect, that doesn't have this feeling of, uh, it's, uh, let's call it instant gratification and so on.
1: Yes, well, there is a reason why when I go into the supermarket, I know that I can buy a tomato sauce or a can of beer without being poison Mm. like there is a reason why that happens that you can walk into a restaurant and order I don't know a dish of pasta and know that it's not poisoned or that it's not uh you know poisonous uh and the reason is that you have like you know a a number of competences that you need to look after but that is not one of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not responsible for for things in the supermarket things that are on sale uh not being damaging for you and your and your family there is a a chain of responsibility that is way above your head and uh and yet with technology devices and specifically with software uh there is this idea that it is you, the one that has to, you know, to bring the jar of tomato sauce and try it. And if you feel a bit poisoned, then maybe you have to try your another strategy or, or buy another brand or just go on Twitter and complain about it. This mm. is totally ridiculous. Like, you know, we, we, do right we do have the right to not be surveilled. Uh, we do have the right to not be manipulated. We do have the right to not be spied, and I mean, when I think about the like the state of affairs with biometrical uh, controls and, and the way uh, face recognition software and 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 cameras are proliferating in a place like Europe, it is very hard not to see how totally detrimental of uh, citizen rights and 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 privacy rights is this. So and, and the thing about, you know, uh, this kind of surveillance is that you cannot see it because, you know, you can go on the street or walk into a shop or go into your friend's house and be surrounded by cameras connected to uh, facial recognition systems. And you wouldn't even know. So you mm. cannot resist. it You cannot refuse the way you refuse to give your name and surname to a person that stops you on the street and say, hey, who you are? Mm. Like, you know, you have the right to say, well, I don't even know who you are, so I'm not answering your question. You can mm. even refuse to tell the police who you are. Um, mm. But you cannot refuse a, a, a camera connected to a facial recognition uh, system because, first of all, you won't see it. It is totally invisible, so you cannot mm. refuse it. And you're going to change your face. Um, mm. It would mm. be, I mean, maybe you can, but it would be really <laughs> hard and very expensive to be doing that all the time. So, yeah. so to, to scale it down to the level of uh, citizen, individual responsibility to be protected from that is, is scandalous, ridiculous.
0: Mm. So, so another uh let's say the last topic i want to i want to discuss with you encompassing all of the things we've said uh, uh until uh, up until now is the obvious uh corona pandemic and uh, let's say the techno deterministic response uh of the countries and or uh global companies so instead of asking uh do you think that um, corona uh, i mean the the technology helped uh Solving Corona pandemic faster, or did the tech uh, actually uh, deepen the crisis with, let's say, algorithmic uh, content distribution and propaganda and fake news? Uh, I'm gonna rephrase this question and ask you: Do you think we'll be, we'll be we will be ever able to, uh, let's say, calmly or rationally? analyze the impact of uh, technology on the corona pandemic after hopefully <laughs> all of this uh, is just a, a bad memory in the in the rearview mirror
1: hmm. well i am totally with you in the after because uh we are seeing now the that this uh corona crisis is is probably going to be an ongoing uh ongoing thing in our lives forever but um but yeah, it is interesting how, uh, and I think as every crisis of this proportion, it it shows the aberrations in in ways that are difficult to not see. Um, it, like this this uh, techno solutions that were offered at the beginning of this pandemic show, first of all, that governments have always or at least in this, in this moment in time, they are more willing to, to, to buy whatever miracle technology it is offered, uh, despite the, maybe, mm, the civil rights issues that comes with it, to resolve a crisis that, in the cheapest and fastest way, mm-hmm. uh, showing a lack of understanding of how the things work, I must add. And, and, the other, and, and they're more willing to do this uh, than to restructure, uh, to create like a systemic change in in the culture or the society that would prevent new crises. Like in the coronavirus, um, it is, I mean, I always say it, it is kind of funny that we are living in the prediction machines age, you no? Know, in the algorithmic uh, prediction machines. Uh, and yet... Well, we're not ready for this, but mm. the world was full of virologists and epidemi epidemiologists that that were warning that this was going to happen any moment now, and uh, and in fact, uh, those same specialists are uh, are already promising. That other viruses and, and other you know viral diseases will be even worse than this one, that maybe we were even lucky that this one was not uh, so lethal after all as it could have been mm. and yet uh, the prediction machinery is not for that like this is for me the, the, the big lesson of, of how this you know uh, I don't know this Raider apps and, and, and this you know Uh, citizen control devices uh, have shown is that this technology that we are all investing in, even, you know, not only buying them and paying them and keeping them on, but having them on all the time and and feeding them with our inputs and our likes and our retreats and our, you know, indignations and our protests. This machine is not made for managing that. It's not Mm. designed to help us manage crises, is designed to manage us during the crisis. So mm-hmm. this this apps that were implemented uh, to 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 have a, a control of the coronavirus at the beginning were clearly <laughs> meant to have a control of the citizens, uh, more like it. No, because in the absence mm-hmm. of testing. Uh, for everyone, then this app didn't make any sense unless uh you could just control citizens and keep them at home uh without having to you know take their door down and and and, and look, look at their beds every night mm.
0: so well, um or th- th- there could be if i can if I can interject there could be another answer or reason and uh again connecting uh, you know the 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 age of terrorism or the surveillance capitalism that uh, raised the uh, rear its head uh, during the, the fight against or the war against terror, it could all be just a security theater, right? So there's no actual value or there's no actual solution in tech solutionism, but it's this good feeling that you carry around a device that will protect you against the the elements, right? Whatever these mm. elements may be.
1: Yeah, this idea that we have a choice between being safe and being, you know, and having privacy that we cannot have both is interesting. Considering uh, the the big, like most the the um, invasion of privacy has been mostly performed by companies that that are in a different country that doesn't have any responsibility over our well-being, no. Mm. Um, and uh, that even in the, de- in the depths of surveillance, even Obama, whose administration invested radically in this, uh, you know, surveillance uh, apparatus, uh, had to admit that they didn't stop a single terrorist attack uh, thanks to this surveillance machine. Edward Snowden uh, has been explaining since 2013 that actually the like the the insane amount of data that this machine is producing uh creates more noise than than signal and therefore mm. the amount uh the like the insane amount of information that the agencies are dealing with makes them blind <laughs> to the yeah. actual uh to the actual terrorist and so we have seen now that we are heading towards the anniversary of 9-11 that the monster that was justified, I wouldn't say created because, you know, this, this, this apparatus was created before 9-11. It was somehow granted a white brain because 9-11 justified it, mm. um, that it hasn't been particularly useful in terms of making us safer and in fact now the terrorist threat that used to be outside of our borders has become an internal threat inside of our borders like Mm. every country is now admitting that they are more scared of their own citizens than of al-Qaeda or ISIS
0: Mm. but to 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 wrap it up in a in a at least tryingly, more positive way so so we've discussed these issues or these problems with uh, surveillance capitalism with the uh, information information society. so what would be your let's call it advice or what are your thoughts on doing things differently the next time around who's <laughs> uh, you know I'm often reminded uh, with uh, you know following this this um, Uh, tech let's call it industry or or this tech area since i'm gonna say 2008 or maybe even earlier uh, that you constantly see these patterns repeating right so a new crisis an old pattern of solving a new crisis so what Mm -hmm. would be your um, let's say um, uh, final thought on when the next crisis hit uh, hits uh, what should we do differently?
1: Hmm. Well, it's funny you ask that because <laughs> precisely this uh, series of interviews that we are uh, conducting in our axioma uh, hmm. called reprogramming is, is, was designed precisely to answer that question. To answer the question of, okay, so technology in the last 10 years have been, you know, extractive and has been uh, abusive and has been, you know, uh, conducting all these experiments on citizens and make them uh, polarized and angry and unhappy and dangerous in some cases. And so how can we use this technology? or so is there a way to turn this technology into something that is useful for us? And so for me, I think transparency is definitely the first uh, the first step towards a bettering of this of this platforms in the sense that uh, self-regulation has proven to be a bad path Mm. Um, some of these companies will find that transparency is not an option because what they do is obviously illegal (laughs) and therefore Mm. uh they will have to change their entire business model uh before they can they can open the gates uh or the windows or the blinds uh for us to see how they are doing this and it's going to take them uh, basically, to reinvent themselves, and uh, let's hope that regulation at least pushes them in that direction. But in other cases, I think uh, these platforms have made profit out of taking every person away from their, from their family, from their, uh, from their community, from the people that are physically around them, like you know, well, their family, their neighbors, their classmates, their workmates and put them in an imaginary community where everyone likes the same music and everybody wears the same clothes and everybody has the same political views and uh, like a, like an imaginary colony of clones of yourself no that we mm. that we call a bubble um, mm. and and so i think we should start thinking of ways to come back to come back and to connect to your neighbors and the pandemic has shown the need of creating these networks of mutual support uh, with the people you have immediately around you uh, because we were all locked in our house um, without being able to touch other people, uh, many of us away from our families and, and from our loved ones. And so suddenly neighbors became very important. So I think technologies that have to do with, with you block with flat with you know the people that are literally in your in your physical proximity will be the key to managing not only the political side effects of, of this platforms but also the way to enroll in mitigation for mitigation activities or uh you know and or new uh ways of dealing with the climate challenges that are coming Ahead, including, mm. of course, viruses.
0: Mm. <laughs> well, uh, that's positive enough for uh, Citizen D podcast, which uh, usually deals with topics that are very hard to discuss or be be positive about. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna put the the stop here. Uh, thank you, Marta, for for joining us. Um, Dear listener, uh, join Marta in the reprogramming strategies for Surf Renewal festival that restarts online on the 20th of September 2021, and uh, come back next uh, next month uh, when we'll publish another or the the new episode of uh, Citizen D podcast. Thanks again, Marta, and uh, best of luck.